The Once in Future Nerd depends on listeners like you for funding and for spreading the word. If you enjoy the show, please tell a friend, leave us a rating or review on iTunes, and if you are able, consider supporting us at patreon.com slash onceandfuturenerd. You shall be rewarded. The Once and Future Nerd Book 2 Myth Made Flesh Chapter 1 A Cruel and Sullied World By Christian T. Kelly Madeira Part 1 Hello, dear listener. My, it's been a while. I'm sorry that you've been kept waiting. Some of the fault is mine, I'm afraid. I'll freely admit that my desire to, shall we say, unwind after the end of our first book led to not a few lost weekends with Yulodik and her cannib root-chewing friends. But I'm here now, so I suppose we had best jump right back into... A big pardon? I see. <clears throat> Dear listeners, it seems our producers are insisting that I provide you with a recap of our last book's events. I know, I know. <laughs> so little respect for audiences these days. I'll do as I'm told, of course, but I must first say this and then no more. I've been a storyteller since before written language. Back then, all tales told were clumsily crammed in preposterous patterns so mortal minds could better master them. Anyway, my point is if those folks could keep a story straight, surely a modern audience with their much-lauded computer machines doesn't need their stories regurgitated to them half-digested like their helpless baby birds. I mean, by nature's blessing, th the central theme I spent 13 hours driving at was the importance of engaging critically with stories. Wouldn't this farce of a summary somewhat defeat that purpose? Why do the producers think I do all this? It's not for their generous health and pension plan. I can assure you of that. You know what? I do take this personally. I do. I perform with all the skill I possess, which I am not bragging and saying is considerable, all of the subtlety and nuance and dare I say poetry, that goes into telling our tale, they want me to toss out in favour of some highly truncated synopsis, something which by its very nature must have all the subtlety and nuance of a stampede of sexually excited elephants. You know what? Fine. Producers, you want an elephant orgy? Here it goes. Our tale begins in earnest when three humans called Billy, Jen, and Nelson from a realm called Northeast Pennsylvania find themselves in Jordan after enduring a magical event they cannot yet begin to understand. Where the hell are we? You're in lands claimed by His Majesty Gunther Gwernatal, High King of the Human Realms of Jordan. After initially being met with suspicion, the Pennsylvanian's resemblance to a nearly forgotten prophecy leads the war hero Brennan and the king's elvish advisor Yillowin to conscript them into a quest. 
The true purpose of this quest, though it is hidden from all but Brennan, is to find the king's sole surviving descendant, an illegitimate child living in the slums of the port city of Armstrongard. The party acquires this person, one Irona Margaret Regan, along with an academic priest in training called Nia, and hopes to bring Regan back to Castle Guernatal to be legitimized by his majesty, King Gunther. I'm a fucking princess? Despite Regan's reservations about the whole thing. Go fuck yourself, splinter pole. Oh wait, that wasn't very ladylike. Excuse me. Hark! Verily I hereby decree that you all shall fuck yourselves. How's that? This never happens, however. Instead, a minor noble named Ardell Redmore makes a treasonous play for the throne, resulting in the death of King Gunther. <laughs> Be quiet and help me move him. Brennan, you know damn Shut well. up! He's dead, and we will be too if we don't leave right now. This, of course, leaves Regan with a very legitimate claim to the high throne of the human realms of Jordan. It's also worth noting here that the traitor Ardell has a twin sister, Arlene, who is in mutual but unexpressed love with her handmaiden, Gwen, and that the two eventually flee Castle Guernatal to seek a life together on the frontier. Meanwhile, Jen, to the surprise of her comrades, finds herself both willing and able to kill. Bad men, I assure you, but still. You know what I've been feeling since this morning? I can't imagine. Powerful. I didn't want to think about it because I knew once I thought about it. <laughs> oh my god. I killed somebody. <laughs> Thus beset by the forces of Ardell Redmore on one side and the constables of Armstrong Guard on the other, our party of seven seeks refuge with the Yellowween's parents in the White Forest, then the seat of elven power in Jordan. Brennan petitions the elves and their mighty knights of the wood, Tarlohil in the speech of elves to help him dethrone the usurper Ardell, but he is frustrated again when Regan refuses to publicly stake her far more legitimate claim to the throne. So Brennan, Regan, Nia, and Yilwyn leave the three Pennsylvanians behind as they seek to earn favor with the Knights of the Wood by means of a quest. This quest leads to both the uncovering of an ancient and undeciphered source of knowledge and a confrontation with a former suitor of Nia's. I know you loved me once. Slightly infatuated, maybe. If you will not recognize my magnificence, then you shall die! Former, in the sense that he had ceased to be alive, not in the sense that he had ceased pursuing Nia. Indeed, death had done nothing to cure this undead horror's insufferable personality. Oh, so you've resolved not to learn anything from this, then? Oh, eat a dick, Maguire! With their comrades thus occupied elsewhere, the three young Pennsylvanians are abducted by the Templars of Discord, a militant cult of the Chaos God Geredian, and are forced to endure visions of their greatest fears intended to break their psyches. But all three rise to the challenge, much to their own surprise. Stories matter. You want to understand people, understand their stories. You want to change people, change their stories. People are the stories they tell. Power is who gets to tell the stories. <laughs> That's good, son. Yo, we! I'm done! I'm done not being human! I want to feel feelings! I'm tired of hurting everyone because I'm scared! Ah! Oh! There's whatever little world you grow up in, and then there's the darkness all around. 
outside normal, outside supposed to, but there's some people who just need to take that step into the darkness. It's scary. That's how you know you need to go there. I love you, sweetheart. I'll always love you. I know. No sooner do they wake, however, than they are thrust into battle. For while the Yordic nobility had been feuding for power, an army of the folk from west of the Black Mountains, then known as Orcs, had been invading the east to an extent not seen in millennia. This invasion was led by a half-orc general called Traft, who had been trained in warfare by the elves some years prior as a sort of experiment, which now seems to have backfired. Warriors! Today is your day. All columns, full assault, charge! The fortress at Freehold, with its civic guard garrison commanded by General Bryce Riverfell, is the last major stronghold between Traft's orcish armies and the entire eastern realms of Jordan. It also happens to be where our three young heroes have been taken to recover following their encounter with the Templars. The Freehold garrison fights bravely, aided in no small part by the three Pennsylvanians. Jen especially is a force to be reckoned with, using magical abilities she is just beginning to discover within herself. But the numbers are stacked badly against them, and Traft's army, aided by the Templars of Discord, have some formidable abilities of their own. Move! Everybody move! It's coming down! The thick stone edifice trembled, then quaked, then fell to the ground. But just as the keep seems likely to fall and our young heroes seem likely to be slaughtered, Brennan and the others enter the fray with several hundred knights of the wood riding beside them and turn the tide. Tarniki! His armies routed, the war chief Traft flees in the chaos, and thus is our party reunited to share in a moment of triumph. Their happiness seems doomed to be short-lived, however. After the battle, Regan secretly followed the Knights of the Wood. Nay, nay, mildness be the mildness. When last we left her, she had just witnessed the horrific slaughter of hundreds of orcish women and children at the hands of the very elf knights who had so recently seemed the heroes. And that should just about catch us up. I may interject from time to time with the odd detail I need you to recall, but that's the core of the thing. Honestly, though, it was much better in the initial telling. Metaphors about rabbits and all that. It was beautiful. Worth your revisiting, I promise. Ah, Truthfully, I suppose that wasn't so bad. I'm sorry you had to hear me get so cross. It's just... Well, if stories really do so profoundly shape the way in which we see the world, then it follows that the storyteller has an enormous responsibility. Sometimes it can be very overwhelming, you know. But if I promise to do my best in the telling, you must promise not to become complacent in your listening. And in that, we'll approach the truth. All right? All right. We must resume our tale, I think, with Regan, who, as I said, had just uncovered a grisly secret. (coughs) 
Even to someone such as Regan, the brutality which just transpired was shocking. And she couldn't help but express as much with all her typical eloquence. Motherfucker. Lieutenant, bring the oil. General Rilotit, the Lord Commander of the Knights of the Wood, spoke in the elven tongue, of course, which I'm translating for you. Regan did not understand the elf's words, but she certainly knew what building a bonfire looked like. She began searching for some way of stealthy escape from her precarious perch in the tree. Nothing presented itself. Steamer! I'm hoping you've picked up that word by now. It means something like halt. Regan held perfectly still as Ree took in her surroundings with the great vigilance that her mighty elvish senses allowed. Clearly the elf detected something amiss. Ree walked to a tree at the edge of the clearing, which mercifully was not hiding Regan just then, but on which Regan had accidentally left behind some of the mud which she was using to mask her scent from elvish noses. The irony was not lost on our besieged thief queen. With pounding heart but steady hands, Regan inched her fingers towards the repeating crossbows she wore on her belt. A gift from Relotite, you recall. I've found tracks. Some have escaped. Where? Just over this way. You six, with me. The rest of you, burn this all. I needn't restate the need to be thorough. Your houses are dependent on you. As the elves resumed building the fire, an old proverb, newly remembered, made Regan choke back a very grim sort of laugh. <laughs> I believe it was something about frying pans and fires. You'll recall that Jen was the last of our party to speak with Regan before she snuck off to follow the elf knights? What? Yes, this was indeed a few days ago in the timeline of our tale. Very good. You are paying attention. I admittedly introduced a lack of temporal realism towards the end of our last book for the sake of giving events their due weight, but I'll get us back on track, don't worry. Anyway, Jen, having watched Regan stalk off into the night, returned to the tent where Billy slept. There she saw her paramour sleeping, albeit fitfully. What the fuck? Billy? Huh? You up? I was having the weirdest goddamn dream. Your dad again? Well, Nelson, actually. You sleep okay? What time is it? Early still. Mm. It's really early. Mm -hmm. Regan just, like, fucked off into the woods. Yeah, well, you know, sometimes you gotta go. She's chasing the elves, I think. I'm trying to decide if I should tell Brennan and Nia. Snitches get stitches, dude. Get some rest, okay? We could all use some. Love you. I love you too.
And thus did Jen make her way to the nearby tent where Nelson slept. She placed a very tentative hand on the boy's shoulder. Hey, Nelson. Huh? But Nelson jolted awake as if roused from the sleep of the dead. Sorry, I know it's really early. I needed... Huh? Are you okay? Yeah. No, I'm fine. I'm fine. Having a bad dream? I think all of ours are getting pretty messed up. I never remember mine. What's going on? I kind of needed your advice, actually. You do? Regan ran off chasing the Knights of the Wood. The elves were pretty clear about not doing that. Right, but... Seems like a thing Brennan and Nia would definitely want to be told. Yeah, and Regan would definitely not want that. You really want to get on our bad side? No, but the elves are- Nelson, are you- Oh, good morning. I hope I'm not intruding. You're fine. I think it's time we spoke. About what? To begin with, your most recent dream. Though Nelson could still not remember a moment of his recent dream, the look on Nia's face made clear the gravity of the situation. A situation, which I'm afraid we must return to when next we meet. Sorry, sorry, simply too much elves to cover this week. Well, I told you I would correct some of my earlier time jumping. How do you expect me to do it except by jumping around a little bit more? You'll recall we last left Gwen of Rufield in the unenviable position of having stumbled upon an infant and its mortally wounded mother. To make matters worse, the now-deceased mother gave every outward appearance of being an orc. And Gwen had very little time indeed to think through her circumstances. Gwen? Are you...? Oh my god. As she was approached by the woman who until recently had been called Arlene Redmore. What's happened? Whose child is that? Shh, shh. I... I don't know where to start. Look in a creek. And we've talked about our names, Anna. I really prefer to be called Gail. Yes, of course. How silly. Ah! Gods, that's an orc! What are you standing here for? There are likely to be others. Wait, that's what I thought too. But the grey ain't supposed to wash off, is it? Wash off? Look where the water's touched her. Don't look like orc skin to me. Anna walked to the water once more and saw with her own eyes just what Gale had told her about the corpse. Gods, did you ever... But then... The dead one's eyes are still red as the evening sun, just like in the songs. Perhaps the skin is part of some ruse or glamour to steal that child. The child's hers. What? How do you know? She spent her last breath begging me to save it. It could talk? Well enough to say that. My gods, does that mean it's an orkling you're holding? Put it down! Be careful! No, this... This can't be what an orkling looks like. It's so sweet. Let me see the babe's eyes. They're lighter than his mother's. Almost brown. But not quite. Maybe they get darker as it grows? You are right, though. It's hard to believe that this could grow into some foul, savage brute. Yet, whatever happened out here is nothing good. We should get inside. What about the child? What do you... Oh. My darling, we can't take it. You know we can't. We can't leave out here, neither. Gail, there's been a war. Wars are evil things, and they make many orphans. But that cannot be for us to fix. It's so helpless. So it seems right now. What's to say it doesn't... I don't know. Transmute overnight and cut our throats as we sleep. Oh, that's... Look at it. We must be sensible here. 
I can be sensible, but I can't be heartless. Heartless? You think I'm heartless? No, that's not and what- where should it end then? This is a cruel and sullied world full of helpless little creatures. Shall we care for them all? Care for them? I didn't say that and you know it. We ain't gonna care for them all, just this one right in front of us. What place do we have caring for anyone? We only just barely have food and a roof over our heads. Aye, but we have. And it doesn't. You wanna just leave it out here to die? I want us to live in peace for once. Is that too much to ask out of life? Haven't we been through enough? Or is it just our lot to live in turmoil and terror until death finally takes us? Which will be very soon indeed if this imp does not pipe down. Why will it not stop? Try singing to it. What? That's what lullabies is for, ain't they? This is absurd, and we're in danger. Oh, very well. Life ain't ever fair. But if we leave this wee thing to die out here, be eaten by wolves or worse, I'll never sleep again. And I don't think you will neither. Look at it. I don't... Yes. Yes, you are right. God send all their hosts to help us. What do we tell Bailey? There's been a war. Wars are evil things, and they make many orphans. It's not forever. It's just until someone can take it. You make it sound as if it's just any old child. Here, have this baby. It might turn into an orc, but we're not certain. Best of luck. Well, maybe it won't. And it sure looks like any old child, isn't it? You said yourself its eyes are nearly brown. Its clothes are ragged, but they don't look orcish, as far as I can tell. Looking at it, you never think twice. Unless... Both turned to look at the ashen corpse, motionless but for the swaying of the water. No one must see that body anywhere near us. Her arms hooked on this rock. The women watched, uncertainty in their eyes, as the bloodied body drifted downstream. All in all, the moment was oddly serene. God's damn ass looking son of a fucking shit. Ah, yes, how could I forget? We must return to Regan's decidedly unserene circumstances. Though the Knights of the Wood had finally begun to leave, the fires they had set had already grown into a roaring conflagration. Acrid smoke hung in the air, sickly and sweet. It was, in fact, one of the very few odors in this world with which life in Armstrong Guard had not acquainted Regan. And though it was not terribly unlike the appetizing aroma of a roasting pig, the memory of screaming mothers and children made the smell unspeakably vile to Regan's nose. She choked back a gag as she looked down the tree. To her dismay, tongues of flame were already lapping at the tree which concealed her. She looked to the ground for any sign of a soft spot, but found none. Oh, you 
Fucking dumbass, Maggie. This is where your luck dries up? She gave a hasty inspection of the branches around her, hoping one might be both strong and flexible. One potential option presented itself. She dropped down and, pumping her legs and arms, she sought to bend the branch low so that she might safely drop to another beneath it. Unfortunately, it gave way too early. Regan tried to grab the branch beneath but was falling too fast. She managed to get her arms out in front of her to save her skull and chest. But she knew the stronger of her wrists was broken as soon as she hit the ground. And then, as she raised herself on the other elbow to more easily stand, a third branch gave way right above her and pinned her legs. I understand, of course, why in the moment she cursed that second branch with all her considerable rage. Mortals are quick to disregard and disrespect nature when they're only looking in front of their own noses. But had the branch not pinned her down, she would have very likely been struck and killed by the massive log that fell a moment later. Oh, come on, Maggie. Upper body strength. (sighs) With her healthy arm, Regan reached out for purchase to pull herself forward. But burned her hand on what felt like a rock. She tried scooting forwards on her elbows, but it was around this time she became aware that she was having quite a hard time indeed catching her breath. The air around her was more smoke than anything else. Her vision blurred, then greyed, then narrowed, then all was black. The Once and Future Nerd is directed by Christian T. Kelly Madeira. It is created and executive produced by Zach Klaas and Christian T. Kelly Madeira and co-executive produced by Jess Kelly Madeira. Alex Story and Ryan Cushman are associate producers. It is performed by... Rhiannon Angel. Garrett Arman. Dan Dobransky. Anya Gibeon. Ian Harkins. Paul Notice. Juliet Prather. Frank Quares. Julie Reed. Gregory M. Schultz. Production audio recording by Jared Paul, with help this chapter by Robert Don. Editing by Josh Perot and Christian T. Kelly Madeira. Mixing and sound design by Pedro Tarago and Miguel Patriota. Tom Lee is our musical director and lead composer, with additional scoring by Chris Montalbo. For more, visit onceandfuturenerd.com or find us on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, or Reddit. Reddit.